Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Driven Chat Podcast. I am reliably informed that this is episode number 40. For those of you that have been with us from the very beginning, hello, amazing, 40 eps in, here we go. For those of you that are new to the show, thanks for joining us this week. I suspect you've come because we've got some very cool people on. My name's Andy J, and I'm very pleased to be able to tell you that sitting alongside me is my good buddy, the main man of the podcast, the one and only John Markar. John, tell us about today's show. Well, hello, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, today's a good one because... um well, I was a bit daunted at first because this this episode, for the first time, I'm flying solo. I've usually got at least one wing man or one one wing woman beside me in the form of you, Andy, or Amy. But yeah, this week, uh, due to other commitments that both you and Amy had, I, I was flying solo and I went down uh, to meet Chris and Al, who are best known as the, the two faces behind the YouTube channel, 44 Teeth. And if you are in or around the motorcycle world, uh, even from a you know whether you're a rider or you're just interested in that world, uh, chances are you will have heard of Forty Forty or seen one of their videos. Um, I started watching Forty Forty videos before I had a bike license, so you could say that there was some sort of power or responsibility that they had into uh, talking me into getting bike license. But yeah, I was really pleased. Uh, this is one that we did in person as well, which was great. Obviously, all very much socially distanced. We all took all the precautions and it happened to, happened to be working in the area that day. So it all made sense. And yes, we had a, a, a very fun conversation. I think I wanted to get to the root of who Chris and Al were because so many people watch them and they see them go on these amazing adventures and 
test all these amazing bikes. But there isn't often much of a conversation about who they are and how they got to where they are. So I was hoping to go down and dive in to, uh, to find out more about the blokes. Yeah, great. I'm looking forward to this one, John. And it's, you know, you've had a few recently that I've been like, oh, nuts, I've yeah. missed out on a really good chat but i'm just delighted i can listen to it which is brilliant if you're new to the driven chat podcast two things firstly this is the little bit at the start you'll hear the main chat with john and the guys from 44 teeth very soon but usually we have our third musketeer with us amy shaw photographer of supercars and just a lovely lovely lass but she's not around right now she's off literally snapping something amazing she is. And you'll, be able, you'll be able to see what it is on her instagram channel in in no time i'm sure but usually Amy's a big part of this, a big, big part of this week in, week out. So sorry she's not here this week, but she'll be back next week, won't she, John? She will be back next week. Yes, we've got a nice episode next week where we're going to be talking about the the fun of investing in classic cars. Um, so some, some terrible financial advice is going to be coming your way, but not financial advice. So for legal reasons, I have to say it's not financial advice. But yeah, Amy and I next week, uh, there's a great recording where we've talk, we have a chat with a chap called Tom Wood, and he is the owner of Kazana and carandclassic.co.uk. But that's going to be a great chat because Kazana is a platform that talks about the values of classic cars and how they're changing and increasing. And Car and Classic is a website that we're all guilty of browsing in our spare time, uh, imagine buying all the supercars and classic cars that we've ever wanted. So yeah, that one is is next week. And yes, it does feature Amy Amy again, uh, which is great. So uh, apologies for um, people just having to put up with my voice only in this week's episode. I I hope it's all right. Just thought it was important to signpost to the Amy Flag fans that Absolutely. she hasn't gone anywhere. No, exactly. She'll, she'll be back. She'll be back. And the other thing I wanted to say, if you are new to the show, is 40 Eps in. There's 39 previous episodes yeah. with some really interesting, really cool guests. So I'd love you to check out the... Well, you, is, it the is the official term back catalogue, John? Is that how we're supposed to call so. it? I guess so. I guess so. I mean, I see it as a current catalogue, really, I guess. it's. But yeah, I mean, 40 episodes with some of the names that we've had. It is... I often have to kind of remind myself of some of the people we've had in the sense of like looking through the list, you know, whether you, whether you listen on Spotify or on Apple or Google and you get the list of the episodes that come out with all the names and, you know, looking back and seeing names like Magnus Walker and Drew Pritchard and Karen Chanduk and Joe Achilles, yeah, Shmi 150. It's big names. We've, we've got some really, really cool people. Um, Mike Brewer. Mike we've Brewer. We've had loads of really yeah. cool people actually it is it is uh yeah it's it's massively exciting yeah so and yeah 40 episodes 40 weeks we haven't gone a week without bringing you an episode which uh since yeah, the start of, of the 40 yeah, yeah. yeah me too me yeah. too and we've got some really exciting plans that we'll share as soon as we can i hate it when like people say that oh we'd love to tell you about what but yeah we, we, there'll be some news soon anyway john look this week obviously has quite a strong bike focus. Yes. You, literally yesterday, you said goodbye to something that I think in one of the early episodes, you would have laughed at John Quirk for loving. <laughs> now, now you've had a, had a really good spell on it. You're part of the Quirky Brigade. It's been a funny one. Yes. So yesterday, BMW Motorrad UK came and collected the R1250GS TE. BMW GS motorbike that we've had for just over three weeks. BMW was so kind in sending us that and saying, "Look, just have a go, see what you think, tell us about it, and give us your idea, give us your opinions." And yeah, I'll be honest, I wasn't that enamoured by the idea of riding a GS. I I know it's like you know it's like any 
any car or vehicle or bike that's been around for a long time, 40 years the GS has existed as a brand now. So obviously it's going to be good. You know, 40 years of evolution on any product, whether that's a 911 or an M3 or you know, a particular range of speedboat that you might be interested in. 40 years of evolution, it's only going to get better and better and better. And yeah, I mean, within, I'd say, I went on a little first impressions ride and within half an hour, I was like, right, I get this. I absolutely get it. Oh my goodness me, it's absolutely blown me away. And yeah, I was genuinely like riding it to the office yesterday where it was getting collected from. I was a bit sad. I was, I was riding along yeah. thinking, I'm really going to miss this thing. And here's the here's the, the big thing. I mentioned this in the video. So there is going to be a video on the bike coming out in the next few weeks. Um, and uh, some written articles, written words as well that you'll see. I the, the thing that has really kind of impacted me from that GS, bearing in mind the last bike that I owned and rid, was riding around on the road was a Ducati Panigale. It's a very, very different bike. That's the sports and superbike category. And I loved that thing. And when I sold it, it was a needs must scenario. I had to sell that bike. It was the start of the pandemic. And I was running a travel company and, you know, it didn't look good having lots of toys. So that was one of the things I had to go. Since getting on the GS, you know, when I sold that Ducati, the the number one thought was I can't wait to get back on another sports or superbike. But having ridden the GS, it's kind of turned on a new light bulb in my head that says, I don't really see the need or the point now in having a sports or superbike for the road. You know, I still want to be able to have fun with them on track. But when a massive, big, comfortable armchair of a bike with heated grips and heated seats and cruise control and self-leveling headlights and automatic damper adjusting suspension can be so good at riding on the road and so fast and still feel agile, I'm just kind of like, why have I been putting myself through the agony of sports bikes? And there's going to be bikers listening going, oh, you're a fairy. You're getting old, John. That's what it is. You're getting old. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's blown me away. The hype is real. I absolutely get it. it, it, (laughs) Yeah, what a thing. So yeah, that was sad. Welcome to your doom. You'll be be (laughs) buying massage chairs for your home and all kinds of things. And and flip-flops with socks. Oh, you've opted for the comfortable (laughs) life. Do you know, I am mindful, John, that obviously as the Driven Chat podcast, we 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 call ourselves automotive skewing, so we do like to do lots of stuff about cars. Yeah. Today is obviously big style bike heavy, mm. so we should we should have a couple of brief words about cars. Obviously, yeah. last week we were talking about ideal middle age cars. Yeah. And I think we came up with midlife Cobra crisis. replica and whatnot, which was quite fun. Midlife crisis—that's the one. Now, yesterday you sent a photograph to me of a car that I was just like, "Oh yeah, no, that would be a lot of fun." I've I've only driven one a couple of times because my good friend has one and they are lots of fun. You were you were driving a car. And here's the thing, a for sale mm. R8. That that was the thing. You were in an Audi R8, and it's it's one thing if you've been lent it as a press car and whatnot, and you know you know it's going back, or if you if it's your mate's car or whatever. But when you're kind of on an accidental test drive for a car that is available to purchase, it changes the psychology <laughs> a little bit, doesn't it? It does. It starts making you do terrible man maths. Uh, but yes, yeah, so as as many of you know, if you've been watching us and, and listening to us since the beginning, we have a production office that so we work with a production company based over in Wales, and they just happen to be upstairs from the iconic motorcycle meeting venue, Baffle House. Um, and Baffle House is predominantly famous for having motorbikes, and they do cool cafe racer builds and other bits and pieces. They've got a little coffee Such shop a you cool can go place. and visit. But they also sell classic cars. So they hire and sell classic cars, or just you know iconic cars. And it just so happened, yeah, they had this um, this Mark One Audi R8, so the first iteration, the first shape. 
which we all look at with admiration because it, it, we can all remember when the R8 first came out and we went, ooh, what have Audi it's done I, here? It's Iron Man's car, Yeah, John. exactly. It's to- Tony Stark's exactly. car, you know. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, and, and of course, like a lot of cars of that age now, I think it's 2009, 7, 8, 9, so around that time, um, they've all suddenly become quite affordable. Now, I appreciate that's, you know, I take that with a bit of a pinch of salt. But so my, I have a BMW Z3 M Coupe, as a lot of people know. That is my kind of toy. I love it. And the values of those have been steadily increasing. It's worth a lot more than I paid for it now. And the value of that can kind of be converted into supercars of a certain age. And the R8 is one of them. So, yeah, when I went to see Ollie and Harvey, uh, whilst kind of going to do a bit of work, I said, oh, you know, tell me more about that R8. And, of course, they threw me the keys and said, just take it for a spin. Have a go. Yeah, um, I'll sell it. It's the, yeah. it's the whole, you know, when a car is good enough to sell itself, when all you need to do is go go and take it for a spin, then, you know, yeah. rather than, oh, well, it's had, you know, three careful owners and done this sort of mileage and, oh, mm. wait till you feel the 0-60 and all that, when it's just simply, go on, see for yourself, you know it's good. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, as soon as I was in the car, I then discovered that it had only done 25,000 miles and it has only had two owners and it's pristine. It's been so well looked after. Fortunately for me and my bank balance and for the people that whenever I talk about potentially selling or swapping the Z3M Coupe, I get berated online. My Instagram feed literally catches fire. People go, you cannot sell that car. That car has to go to the grave with you, um, which I get. It's, it has become very attached to me. Um, That's what I said to you yesterday. You're too known for the oh, yeah, You know, you can't. Yeah. It would be a shame to let it go. So, But fortunately, the, uh, the R8 in question had for me personally the wrong gearbox um so again that era of supercars flappy paddles were a thing but that has the e-gear system so it's exactly the same as what you would have found in lamborghinis of the same age and it's very similar to the smg gearbox in the old m cars the m3s and the m5s it's basically a, a hydraulic operated clutch without getting too nerdy so it's like a it's a manual gearbox but you press the button for when you want it to change gears not like an auto box where you take your foot off the brake pedal and it starts to roll forward. It is a, a fully manual box that you control with the paddles. But because of that, the best way to describe it is a bit like being in the passenger seat of a car with somebody else who's driving a manual car. You can kind of um, you can expect when the gear is going to change, but you can't quite expect the notion of how it's going to feel. And that, right. in comparison to modern day DCT boxes, you know, I get a lot. I see an awful lot of people moaning about F1 boxes from Ferrari and Maserati. The DCT. SMG boxes from BMW M and the e-gear from Audi and Lamborghini. You know, saying, oh, they're rubbish. They're not rubbish. They work, but they've just aged very badly because, of course, the technology's become so good. Um, but for me, I like three pedals and a, and a manual gated gearbox, and that, that R8 didn't have it. But for somebody out there, I think the car has only been for sale at the time of recording this, the Friday before the episode's gone out. Uh, the, de- the car's gone live for one day. I think that car will sell within... A week or two i really do it's it's yeah. so good it's so clean um so yeah have a look at um and it had a good license plate as well which is you know it did yeah it's got fun. a nice number plate so yeah you know if you are listening you want to see the car in question um check out low classics on instagram and you'll see the car i feel, I feel like we're trying to flog this car on i just want now. somebody that else was, to buy that it was before not I the do. point <laughs> it was mainly to stop us from trying to work out how we can buy it ourselves yeah brilliant yeah. happy days uh, john we've we've gone really nerding out now I, I wasn't expecting this i thought we were just going to do like a two-minute intro and then get into the main event should we should we, should we get into the main event because we're being in. mean now to our listeners they'll be like oh, shut up we're not here for you guys no you're not sorry you are here for these guys though enjoy thanks for the 
well thanks for joining us have a great listen this is this is cool the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. And here we are with the interview section of our podcast and I'm delighted to say this week it's a little bit different in the sense that for months and months and months as long as I can remember we've been sitting remotely looking at Zoom screens and FaceTime screens and doing everything remotely. I'm actually sat in front of two actual human beings who are not behind a screen in any way shape or form. Please welcome Chris and Al of 44 Teeth. Well, thank you very much, sir. And Thanks uh, for having us. And, and how pleasant it is to see you. It's, isn't it nice? Isn't it yeah. nice that the world is starting to go back to normal and we're now actually able to see people without feeling mountains of guilt? Yeah, or yeah. illegal. The the, yeah. the new normal. Absolutely. That sounds terrible. But let's try not to go <laughs> yeah, too anyway, far down yeah. that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, I got in trouble for Instagram stuff. I got banned from Instagram. Did well, you get a full ban. Well, not a full ban. I don't even know why it Slap happened. On the rest, it, it was like a yeah. hmm, this guy's you know shooting a bit too close to the breeze. So uh, let's uh, let's let's turn him off a bit. Let's turn his volume down. Mm. Which isn't that a scary thing? Would you? I mean, you would be. I'm I'm presuming you've thought about scary things like this and going. Hang on, the the larger tech companies they do have control over all of us, really. It's true. I mean, this is quite straight into deep chat. We have started deep. But you know, maybe we'll come back to it. What do we have for breakfast? <laughs> Nothing. I'm on a 16 minute diet. Oh, anyway, right. so let's talk 44 teeth because um, this is quite a quite a surreal moment for me because I have been watching you both through the the wonderful medium of YouTube. I would think maybe four years. How long have you guys been doing what you've been doing? As well, six. So you know, you're not a proper fan. That's <laughs> <true>. <laughs> It's our seventh year. Yeah, seven years. Yeah. Crazy. Seven years. And. Just so I can get a bit of a background on both of you. So, Al, you—this th- is your baby. Am I right in saying that? Forty Four Teeth is is your brand. Uh, yeah, I mean, we 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 started it together. We Chris is. Uh, do you want the whole story now, or should yeah, we go yeah? for it? Go so for it. we, I was at Fast Bikes Magazine for twelve years, and I kind of knew that the print side of things was dying, and mm-hmm. it wasn't going to go anywhere. And I wanted to be in control of my own destiny, and. Yeah, it just so happened to to meet Chris at the same time. It was just like perfect. perfect it was design. fate. It was fate. Yeah, I am your destiny. <laughs> yeah, so you keep telling me. <laughs> so you are what we could call a proper using speech marks proper journalist. You were writing for an actual magazine. Yes, writing was, about specifically bikes. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I was at Future Publishing uh, for, like I said, twelve years. Uh, somehow blagged it in there, but got a job. Uh, soon found out that racing wasn't going to pay my wages. 
And then, um, yes, yeah, I blagged my way into fast bikes. And then, like I said, I met Chris on a feature and we were talk, talking about a few things. And he said, hey, come and, come and do something because he wanted to do something. And I just wanted to start my own website. I wasn't, I wasn't really thinking about video at the time. And then... Mm-hmm. Yeah, because kind of, I, I obviously came from the blogger type yeah. side of things or the vlogger mm. back then. And it was quite a nice marriage between a traditional journalistic... Can I say respect? Well, I've definitely got respect, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and the new the new breed, if you like. Mm. And I remember at the time when I, I would, if for anyone out there that remembers the Baron von Grumble channel. So that was where I started uh, doing the the blogs or the vlogs, which was basically I stick a camera on my head, ride into London, and just moan and yep. just talk rubbish. It wasn't even actually about motorbikes. A lot of it. Um, and those were the good old days. But anyway, it was, um, yeah, so I obviously came from the slightly more uh, future side of, of things. And you had the traditional side of things. But obviously being a you know, forward-thinking person, as you are, Al, uh, it, was a, it was a pretty much perfect time for us yes, to do it. definitely. Um, and it was just what the market was wanting. Now... In hindsight, I guess, you know, six years on, we could say, well, I don't think at the very time, commercial interests probably weren't there yet. They were still thinking, oh, print, 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 print's mm-hmm. the best. But then they soon realised that actually the, uh, a, a publication that did have a circulation of 50,000 was suddenly at 10,000. Yeah. So, you know, things, things changed. But we had a good head start to be able to build the brand, mm-hmm. build the audience, which is the most important thing. And then we were kind of lucky enough to sort of, get by on a shoestring and put the audience first yeah which we always which we still do you know it's still really important that we put the content and the audience first there have been opportunities to do um much better financially but it would compromise what we end up doing selling out yeah but i mean and i think but but then again back then it was much harder to inverted commas sell out than it Mm. is now because people are so used to it now People are used to watching a YouTube video that breaks every 15 seconds for Absolutely an advert right. and all this stuff. Whereas when I wanted to turn the BVG, the Baron von Grumble channel, a bit more commercial, mm-hmm. it was almost impossible because there was such a backlash. Yeah. Anytime I'd mention anything, it'd be like, oh, well, you know, whatever. So part of 44 Teeth was going, well, actually, here's a commercial business which is giving you free content for what you want, but in the, the now norm mm-hmm. of in replace for adverts and you know jobs and you know plugs here and there so it was it was a pretty good time to be honest it was a good balance as well because like i said well as you said you you kind of brought this futuristic what really you know, no one really knew what was going on no no um, one the, the the word influencer no, did not exist no, didn't. at that point no and my journalistic background and more importantly the kind of relationships that I had in the industry, because that's that's a massive thing in, in the industry, in, the, mm. in in any industry, I suppose. But something as so small as the bike industry, relationships are key, and I had all those for, you know, twelve, like I said, twelve years. And Chris, obviously, a successful businessman, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it, it was it was it was almost perfect. Yeah, let's yeah. visit that successful business, businessman side. So we know Al, you came from a journalistic side. Yeah. That's quite a natural flow into more media around the same subject. Subject. Um, what is your background, Chris? Aside from being Baron from Grumble, upsetting people. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. nothing to do with motorcycles. Uh, nothing at all. So, I, I, my background is in uh, sort of an artist design 
background. I went to art college, mm-hmm. which basically just got stoned and did very little, um, <laughs> and then blagged my way through various jobs. But no, I, I kind of I do three D graphics and graphic design and creative direction. Uh, directed a few TV commercials here and there, won a few awards, um, and you know I, I used to run a, a post production company up in London, uh, which is when I started doing the the videos. I would ride my Suzuki. That's right, because I, I remember work. seeing the videos, and you would often say, "I'm on my way home from work or on my way yeah. to work." It was a, and it was a way of entertaining me on a boring. It was an hour and twenty long commute, mm-hmm. boring and. I would speed a lot, I would keep getting done. So it was a way of keeping self-regulating with mm-hmm. the camera on and keeping entertained and putting something interesting out into the world. Yep. And at that time, it was, it was, YouTube was a brilliant, I thought it was a brilliant space because you could say kind of whatever you wanted and there wasn't really, it was so much more of a free world. Mm. It, seems, it seems like we were potentially talking about something that was 30 years ago, but it was only you know five, six years ago. Yeah. But it's moving so fast in that, you know, at that time, Google and YouTube would they would monetize videos, but it wasn't there. It didn't seem to be a, a drive of, yeah. hang on, if you swear or do something we don't like, we're going to demonetize you and therefore turn your voice down, mm. which is why now you've kind of got a lot more stale-ish content, which is like, hello, this is my equally pleasant, lovely review of this, and yeah. this is a hot knife cutting through a Coke can. Mm. You know, just drivel, really. Yeah. Um, but... We do our best <laughs> uh, to, to, to push the boundaries as much as we can without getting turned off. And I think that's um, a difficult thing. But yeah, so I would go in and out of work, way of killing time. And it was fun. It was, mm-hmm. I never started it and no one ever did. There was such a small pocket of vloggers that did it at that time. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of knew each other and it was like, hey, let's meet up and let's do this and let's do that. And it was just a fun thing. I and then do anything worse. Really? Meeting a random person just because they're a vlogger. I don't know. That's, it was don't, the ma- don't that, that. Was, that was the magic of the internet. Yeah. That, but it was. <laughs> it was that like was the, the but early there was, Tinder. Well, yeah, but, but aside from the you know sexual experiences, yeah. Mm. But it was the magic of the internet. That's why it was amazing that you know. I'm sure you must remember when you're like, hang on, I'm speaking to someone on the other side of the world. Isn't that amazing? That I've never met. Do you never have that experience? Because that was remember. kind I don't of like yesterday. Let alone. Well, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, let's talk about. The, the, that era where they, the channel and where 44 Teeth as a brand started because we, we've had a few conversations on the Driven Chat podcast with some YouTubers, people that will be self-labeled as influencers, um, the likes of Tim Burton who's Shmi150, um, a, a good mutual friend of ours, Chris, yep. Joe Achilles, um, both of whom, um, more so Tim than Joe, but both of whom started their channels at a time where it was a lot easier than it is now for example, to build up an audience, get monetized content, and have a bit more of a free reign. Would you say you was, was the channel started at a time where that was still the case? Was it an easy start, or has it been a slow grower? Has it kind of snowballed over time? Or It was definitely a slow grower initially, wasn't yeah. it? Because, I mean, even though Chris, Chris is following with the Baron, Baron Von Grumble thing, that kind of took a while to kick in. And it, it, I, I don't think too many of your fans originally took it too well. No, well, exactly. This was, it was, it's going back to my point earlier about even promoting something I was doing myself yeah. was heavily frowned upon. They're like, what do you mean? We don't want, to talk, we don't want you to you know, tell us about this. Yeah. We, want to just, we want the videos where you talk about how big your penis is. Yeah. That's what we want to listen to. Don't be successful. Yeah. Could, don't, be, don't be a man in a how suit. Dare you? How dare you like, you know, try and pay, pay for this? Yeah. You yeah. Know? And uh, so, again... Who's this bald bloke? Who's it, what's he doing? 
it, yeah, so it, there was a there was a bit of a, uh, a backlash to that, but I saw the future in us together. Yes, you know, it, it's certainly easier in a way for an individual to get notoriety and become a famous person. It's a lot easier for that person just because I think it's fashionable, more fashionable to be a blogger than it is a motorcycle journalistic company. Mm. Right? Yes, you know, so Easy, yeah. so we're already at a a disadvantage, yeah. you know. You, there's there's a lot of million subscriber channels out there, which, in my opinion, just you know, not worth anything, not mm-hmm. worth listening to. But you know, they have, for some reason they have that appeal of oh, that's that person, and we have a a corporate. Even though we wouldn't describe ourselves as corporate, we are still in that realm of yes. being a company that does it. Mm-hmm. So there is an inherent difference of perception when you look at those look at those options, but. Would I say it's? I don't. I don't think it's any easier or harder for us as Forty Four Teeth back then as it would be for now. I no, think. but I think we definitely launched it at the right time because you look yeah. at you look at the. I mean, YouTube is. I think you mentioned it. YouTube is swamped with vloggers now and and other. I wouldn't say companies, but other sort of groups or um, uh, sort of individuals and relationships with people trying to start a YouTube channel and. They're still on thousand subscribers. Yeah, and and they have and, and everyone thinks, hey, I'm just going to start a YouTube channel, and then I'm yeah. going to go and drive. I'm going, hey, this guy's got a Lamborghini, so obviously that's how to go and buy a Lamborghini or a <laughs> fast car. But then what most people don't realise is a lot of those people had bloody Lamborghinis to start with. Yes, yeah. and you know nobody I know has, with the exception of maybe Paul Wallace from Supercars of London, who started with relatively nothing and use that channel to grow over the years to be able to afford an R8 and then mm-hmm. up to whatever cars he's got now. And you know, Most of them have been very wealthy individuals to yeah. start off with. So they have an instant advantage because if you've got a, a Ventador S, whatever, you know, something, something, and you want to make a video, that's going to be the, the attractant to YouTube, Google, and that's going to put you up the algorithm. Yeah. So you know, if you're just knocking around in a pretty basic, boring car or bike, you're going to struggle. And also, if you've got that kind of product there, or the car there in front of you, it's a lot easier to make content with that car rather than having a clapped-out old banger. Yeah. And, and, Although, yeah. interestingly, the clapped-out old bangers, actually, that is really good content. Like, yes, it is. Like, yeah, yeah. Because like, it's relatable. Budget you know, bike battles. Exactly. Yeah. The budget bike battle, which is something that we do, which where we go on eBay, we've got a limited budget to buy a bike, and then the challenge is, right, we're going to ride these bikes to Spain and do a track day. Whoever's the fastest wins, mm. whatever. And that has been phenomenally successful, like way more successful. Yeah. Not, maybe not in views terms sometimes when we've had like a Desmo on the channel or something like that, but in response. Yeah. And I think it's a, there's a big difference between numbers of views mm-hmm. and engagement with the viewer. Exactly. Absolutely. Engagement and, and reaction, definitely. Absolutely. So I've done... As you may or may not know, I've done a bit of work in the past with Car Throttle. So I've worked yep. with, with them in their offices. And that was at the time that I was there. So we were talking 2015, is 16. Alex? Is that yeah, Alex yeah. Kirsten, who's the yeah. face of it now. We, um, we were going through quite an interesting test period where we were, we were wanting to be both a polished journalistic side of things. We wanted Audi to deliver the new R8 and we wanted BMW to deliver the mm. new M3 so we could go out and test the car and talk to the camera and talk about how engaging it was as a drive and all those, all the things that we think people want to hear or, or see when they're watching mm. a YouTube video. And of course we put in 
hundreds if not thousands of pounds worth of production, it would go up online and it would maybe get a couple of thousand views and that's fine. Or we'd go out and buy a Suzuki Vitara for 600 quid and crash yeah. it into a puddle and that would go crazy because yeah. that is the content that people at home were like, ah, that's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, okay, I like watching the new M3 drive around, but if it's not power sliding on track being driven by somebody in a white suit and a helmet, I'm not that interested. So therefore that was the content that slowly transformed over the years and that's what most people now watch. Let's talk a little bit about those budget bike battles because I think for me that might have been, I've certainly was watching the channel before they became a, a thing, but I think the, the series that really gripped me in and the one that I ended up uh, sending it to, out to lots of my friends saying, watch this, it's absolutely brilliant, was the 999 versus MV Augusta. That to me, there it is, it sat in the room <laughs> with us. That to me was a series that completely and utterly blew me away and I just thought, right, these guys have nailed this. They know exactly mm. what they're doing. They know exactly what an audience wants to see. <laughs> and I'm glad you laughed. I'm, I'm glad you laughed because I think, was that the second one you'd done? Yes. Yeah. Second budget bike battle. And at that point, I assume, as we all are now to a certain degree, it was a bit of a, let's just wing this and see how it goes and how it Every happens. time. Yeah. And it turned out to be... You couldn't, that, that, that was my favourite one, and you couldn't have scripted the massive events and ups and downs that yeah. that delivered. Yeah. You, you literally couldn't have, have predicted it. But every budget bike battle has had they, they All just, four of them we've had massive events that... We've been phenomenally make, lucky, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and I think that's it. It's the content gods, and mm. they're either on your side or they're not. Yeah. You know, we could have easily done that shoot, and it might have broken down on the first day, been boring, oh, that's the end of it. Yeah. Good night, so and so won, you know. But it just so happened that you know I got uh, a prison sentence in Switzerland, um, and we went to the casino to try to win our money back and lost it all. And it was just, you know, it was just it was brilliant. And Magello, everything about that was mm. was brilliant. That was my favourite one to make as well. Yeah, but budget by battle in general, in this this concept kind of changed. Obviously, views as well, but. At the time, we were still... We were, still we, were getting, we were getting shit for that as well, though, because people were like, oh, they're not budget. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. You can never make anyone happy. But, yeah, at the time, when, we, when the budget, budget battle concept came about, it kind of changed in every way. For obviously, we had a massive amount of subscriber change that, that came to us. People came to us and started watching us. And, uh, but also, we, we were shooting stuff ourselves. So we would literally stand on a corner and hold a camera, or we would just use GoPros and, and helmet cams. And that time we met um, Chlamydia Sam, yep. Ginger Sam, who he came to help us originally. And the first trip he came to do was the original Budget Bike Battle. We'd never yeah. met, we'd met him once. Yeah. And he came to spend a week with us in Spain. <laughs> and you, to, to that amount of time and intensity, you have to get on with a person. Oh, Thankfully, yeah. Yeah. Chlamydia Sam delivered. But yeah, that, that, like I said, it, it was a massive step up in production quality, in subscribers, and it literally just went from, I say kind of on the brink, to actually making it as yeah. a yeah yeah and and as, even as and even option. that you know we would we're still doing it on a shoestring we're yeah. still staying in like yeah. the shittest cheapest hotels we could possibly find and mm. um, you know we're paying our cameraman you know quarter day rates that mm. we should be doing it because he loves bikes and he wanted to get involved and that's the the you know the favors you got to rely on but even that you know first budget bike battle my bike went onto three cylinders the day we left <laughs> yeah. Still kept going, limped in. Then we found this hotel, Las Vegas. Got on. It was on Valentine's night, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. And we turned up. If you haven't seen it, it's it's brilliant. And then uh, turned up after a long, cold ride in February. After you lost your glove in your onesie, which was hilarious. 
and then um, yeah, ended up staying up till seven in the morning at an old folks proper rave up, wasn't it? <laughs> Absolute rave up, and doing the conga and everything till yeah. seven in the morning. The amazing thing is, as a viewer, I remember watching this, and as somebody that's loosely involved in lots of different productions, you know how much work is put into researching what happens in certain towns and hotels and pubs on certain evenings. And whilst the presenters might not know, they'll be produced in a certain way to go, oh, make sure you go to that hotel lobby on a Tuesday mm, night. Yeah. Because the producer knows that there just yeah. happens to be yeah, yeah. the local Women's Institute disco happening. Yeah. Yours was complete. Everything, as you know. say, was just complete fluke. And we, yeah, we, we literally, when we, when we travel, we'll go, right, we need to stay somewhere around there. Let's head about there. And about mm. four o'clock in the afternoon, we pull over, get out TripAdvisor, go, that looks like an all right, cheap shit hotel. Let's go and stay there. <laughs> and then we head there. And that's and that, it. And that's it. But everything, everything, we get, we get accused case, of setting up stuff, you know, like the, the Swiss police or the, um, and crashing or so, no, yeah. nothing is set up at all. It's mm. all... Well, when I crashed like, on the, the Cartagena track, that's where the GoPro did about three oh, yeah. million flips and landed perfect. It came off my helmet. It did, yeah. And it just landed perfectly to catch the action. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't script it. So there is someone, you know, if, if you believe in, you know, whatever else is out there, but there is definitely... Uh, a good content god looking mm. after us to this <laughs> yeah. point. So. Either that, or you're so good at the CGI work that it's all CGI. It's all CGI. In fact, yeah. I'm just sat here We now. never even left Hampshire. <laughs> yeah. You don't even exist. No. It's all green screen, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so talk me through some of the content, just in case there is somebody who's never heard of you, um, but is listening to this thinking, oh, actually, these guys might be worth a watch. What uh, Do you have a, like a set number of categories that you go through on the channel now, i.e. You know, new bike reviews to adventures to, do you have a, like a set list of things that you want to achieve throughout a year or is it just a case of let's see what happens? It's pretty much that, just see what happens because, I mean, obviously we have the budget bike battles and we have these new ideas that, for new series that might come about, but <clears throat> with the bike industry from October to March, there's new bikes. Mm. So yeah. the new bike launches kind of take up the winter months, which is great because the weather over here is rubbish mm -hmm. and we can't get out and ride as much. So it's obviously kind of been particularly season. difficult. It's obviously been particularly difficult with the yes. recent year. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then obviously the, the summer months, we have a rough plan of what we're going to do. But, you know, with new bikes and events coming up, it's kind of a bit ad hoc. You know, yeah. you just uh, take our chances. But like I said, we, we plan budget bike battles months in advance. Um, and that takes, that takes some serious planning. Mm. Um, and, not, and luck. You know, and luck, it, yeah. Uh, it, Honestly, 50, I'd say 50% of it is luck, and the other 50% is um, predicting when you might get that luck, or sort of trying to, put your, trying to get yourself in a situation where if A or B happens, you've got enough organised yeah. to cover it. Yeah. It's have like, you ever, like, here's a question actually, have you ever struggled with that? Have you ever got to the end of a day and thought, oh actually, nothing much has happened here? Well, Do we think a, that? A, a lot. Time, yeah. I, I thought the recent budget by Battle Benador, yeah. by the end of it, was, <laughs> was a bit crap. And I was like, mm, I just didn't feel like, you know, that was the gold that mm. we needed. But then when, you, as you probably know, when you get it in the edit, you can, look, we never lie in an edit, but you can certainly enhance elements of course. by you know, cutting, you know, cutting it in a certain way, which makes it more exciting if it was a dull day. Mm. And then, you know, you, you, it's about how you present that. So, uh, yeah, we get to the end. I often get to the end of a video that I've just shot and gone, God, I don't know how good that's going to be. But then actually, when you start looking at it, it's hilarious. And you mm. forget little that's bits. That's true. Sometimes it takes a day or two 
to yeah. review something. You can even, I've found this, you can review something that you've just filmed and go, oh, I'm not really sure. But give it a couple of days and watch it again and go, ah, that's yeah, okay. Because of course your, your live memory is taking in everything mm. that's happened as it's happening mm. and you want to try and cram in that 12 hours of action. And, and, and don't forget, you know, we, we, well, we always, and I'm sure you, you always want to make something better than the last one you did. Absolutely. Don't you? You, Absolutely. Don't want to, you don't want to make something that's shitter than the last video. Mm. So you're constantly fighting yourself to make it better. Because you want to make it better. Absolutely. And so for the next budget bike battle, you actually do need to go to prison. Yeah, probably. It might happen, actually, because we're going to be in England. So It might happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exciting. Do people know that? Is that a... Yeah, yeah. again, this is a, a COVID killer. Uh, we did... We, we had it. It was all planned for I the end of last this, year. of course, because it was the... C1 the C1 and the BMW. Scooter. Yeah. Yes, of course. So the first episode went out, which was, hey, we just bought these yes. shitbox bikes. Yes. Which are hilarious. I mean, they're the most lethal things. You know, we've both <laughs> yeah. ridden some pretty fast, yeah. powerful machines, you know. But these are dangerous. These are... Lethal. Yeah. Lethal is not an understatement no. or an exaggeration. This is... No. If somebody doesn't get an A&E call, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Um, but we've just taken on uh, our first employee last year. Of course. Um, Boothy. Yeah. Uh, who was also from Fast Bikes. So he's, he's got, a, uh, he's got a, a new addition to the... Budget by about five, which is uh, will be announced soon. Fantastic! Yeah. So that's an, just as just as lethal as well. So. I think it's worse. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of the most hardest bikes to insure. Yes, it's yeah, the yeah. hardest bike to insure <laughs> in the UK. Oh wow! Yeah, interesting. So we we'll just leave it on a knife edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Watch yeah. this space. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about aside from the the budget bike battles and the fun adventures, which obviously are great and get a, a huge amount of traction, as we've been saying. Um, let's talk about the, the, the proper stuff as well, the journalism side of things and the fact that you get invited to launches for bikes, which is huge. You know, that's, that's massive for any YouTube channel to be invited, whether you're cars or bikes or you know, reviewing furniture. At the point that the manufacturers are phoning you up to say, right, we're flying you out to Mugello or wherever, come and ride the new Ducati, um, is, is great. So can you tell us, I know, as you say, the past year or so hasn't been great for being able to travel and going to mm. launches and things. Uh, but what are the standout bikes that you've been lucky enough to ride recently, either on a launch basis or stuff that's been dropped off at the office? I mean, you've, you've been doing it for decades plus. Yeah. So there's, there must have been some very special moments like Desmos Adichis and all these yeah. things. Yeah, I mean, Desmos Adichie and Mugello being, being lumped in, um, in literally, the, never, never seen the track before, mm. uh, with all the Ducati race team and, uh, and bigwigs there, Dominicali, the CEO, um, helping you onto your bike. And I've never, there's never seen the track before. You've got three laps. You've got to get video. You've got to get pictures. You, you know, you've got to learn the track. You've got to not crash the bike. There's so much, mm. and you can't. That, that's the hardest bit, actually, is is trying to make yourself look really good. But it's such a fine line between really good and awfully bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And we've, I mean, I've done, I've done a couple on launches. I don't know about you. Have you ever dropped one on a launch? I've never, no. 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 Okay. no. Yeah. no only crashing on racing. Touch wood. So, uh, <laughs> when you're supposed to. Yeah. Uh, so. well, I don't well, know you're supposed it. to win the race. Yeah, I don't know if it's a prerequisite <laughs> that you have to crash. <laughs> Just in case anyone's embarking on their motorsport yeah. career. It's not one of the things we're expected to do. No, but there's, I mean, there's, recently, I mean, there's, the, 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 there's some banging launches. This is a, uh, a trip with Uncle Jeff from Yamaha. We went to uh, Cape Town, mm. and obviously the bike it was in the Yamaha MTO, MT10 SP, yeah. which is a great bike. But you know all the bits that go with it. You know we got a helicopter ride, we got a rib uh, rib around the um, uh, Cape Peninsula, whatever mm -hmm. it's called. 
Um, and we we got pissed up and went in some sidecars. We didn't we didn't ride them by the way, but we were passengers in the sidecars. But yeah, the the launches themselves, I I love the just getting away from home life and it's like a holiday. It's a good and, escape. And, from and because it's yeah. such a small community as well, that you're kind of yes, it's other publications, but you all know each other. You've yeah. been on the same things several times together. So you, it is a bit of like, hello, mate, how are yeah, you doing? It's, it's like a stag dude without a stag. Yeah. yeah. You just get battered and have a laugh. Yeah. And um, yeah, of course, there's people you you know you don't get on with and here and there. I mean, I, I had a, I, it was a bit difficult for me, I suppose, because again, when I first started coming, I was the first of the, hang on, who's this YouTube twat? Mm. Get muscling yeah. in on our professional journalistic ways yeah so there was a little bit of resentment there but you know i understood it mm. it wasn't like you know hey guys I, you know i've got a much work to be here i just like well you know if you can't deal with it can't deal with it it's fine sure. didn't make much of a big thing out of it and just just try to make friends with the guys mm. and um you know because you don't really want to be falling out with someone because you're probably going to see them again next week on the oh, same completely. flight yeah and it is a this is a, i think something i often try to explain to people that aren't in this world and the, the automotive world of both of car manufacturers to media to all aspects of it. It's an amazingly small world. Yeah. Isn't it? Everybody knows that I think two degrees of separation between yeah. everyone in the automotive And if you world. do something wrong, like bad, 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 like, whoa, mm. you know, everyone knows about it Completely. and you know, you, you're risking a lot. So there is again, a fine line of jovial bants mm. in the bar afterwards to he's never coming on this again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've all been pretty close to that. <laughs> a fine line, as you say. Yeah. yeah. Um, what have you had on test recently that's really blown you away? Has there been anything at all that you've been really surprised by and vice versa? Any bikes that you've got on that you were really hoping for great things and gone, oh, no. Well, a good one's parked outside right now, isn't it? Yeah, the new Multistrada V4. Mm. Um, I think that's <clears> got a potential of being best bike of 2021. Exactly, exactly. See, the thing is, so... Uh, this is again a victim of COVID. So, Chad, a freelance journalist, Adam Child, mm -hmm. uh, he he had there was only two journalists. He's not in the a UK. victim of COVID, though, is he? Well, it, he's not a victim, <laughs> but the mic is. The mic, that's my point. The, because the because of uh, COVID, we weren't allowed to go on the launch. There was only two freelancers who went on the launch. Mm. So a lot of the time, obviously, we get we buy in this this stuff and we go and speak to ch the journalist who's done it, uh, make a video, and Chad uh, did this for us and. It's one of those bikes you go, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll, 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 make, we'll review it, make a video on the launch, and we might not even ride it for another year or until we do a group test. But mm. I thought, there's something about this bike. I thought, let's get it in, let's do something with it. And thankfully, we did, without slipping under the radar, because it is, not only is it one of the most improved bikes I've ever ridden, but it's one of the best bikes of, so far, uh, of 2021, which, is, which doesn't sound like much, because there's not that many new bikes, but... It is. It's, it's, it's so. Good. It's just so much better than the old version yeah. that that's why it's surprising. Yeah. And the technology on it, and it's like the sexy Italians. Yeah. You know, all, all the new, a lot of the new Ducatis have suddenly become really rideable, mm. really user friendly, and like technologically excellent. Whereas it, it's that's can only be the German influence from completely Vag Group. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I and, remember and, at the time that I bought my. 899 Panigale, yes, that was right, the yeah. dealer at the time actually said, and this was Ducati Coventry, hmm. um, I remember him saying, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Audi are now giving their influence to the electronics, Ducati would be quite a dire place to be, I reckon. 
And um, and interestingly, before that, I'd bought an 821 Monster from Ducati Croydon, and the salesman there um, was weighing up the odds because I was torn between going and getting the um, BMW R9T or the Monster 821. Mm. The R9T was a little bit more money, and the Monster was the one that I'd always really liked as a child. You know, I remember I, I have that that memory of standing at a set of traffic lights with mm. Dad and seeing a what would have been the uh, the first edition monster and go, what's that? And dad says, oh, you know, that's Ducati, that's the Ferrari yeah. motorbikes, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that always stuck in my head. And I remember the dealer at the time saying, BMW have kind of progressively been getting worse as bikes whilst Ducati have been progressively getting better. And I don't want that to sound like BMWs are rubbish and Ducatis are amazing, because that's not what I'm saying at all. But I think in the scale of things, BMW would always been looked upon historically as the super manufacturer of reliable bikes. And Ducati have had a bit of a reputation, especially along the lines of their electronics, of not being very good. Um, but that is definitely improving massively. So. Yeah, I mean, but nobody, like decent manufacturer that you've heard of, makes a crap bike. No. You know, yeah. they're, they're all fantastic. Mm. And you know, I think the only criticism of modern bikes is just that they're all so bloody good. Mm. You know, and which is why in this room now you see a lot of older bikes. Yeah. Because that is, and it's the reason why you have your car. Mm. Because they have that level of engagement, which a modern bike doesn't have, and it, they never will have again. Yeah. But they're two different things, you know. Um, but yeah, that aside, that, that Multistrada is a, is, a, is a ripper. Let's talk about the Multistrada because, so we at Driven Chat, we're getting our first ever press bike delivered to us. It's, in fact, it's being delivered to my, my home address on Tuesday. Mm. Coming. So by the time What's the postcode? <laughs> in and around Birmingham. <laughs> It, the, it won't be there long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, correct. My uh, so uh, by the time this podcast goes out, I think we'll probably have some content of the bike on our YouTube channel. We certainly will be talking about it on our social feed. So I'm getting as our first press bike the 1250 Adventure GS, mm. and I believe it or not, was was hoping that our first press bike would be a Multistrada um, Ducati, which of course I have a, a very personal. Um, appreciation for Ducati. I've not yet ridden the GS um, BMW, which I'm excited about. And the question that I have for you both is, why and how does a Multistrada get away with being a really cool bike, despite being a big adventure bike, and yet you say GS to mostly people that aren't in the motorbike world, and they immediately say, oh, so you, will you be wearing sandals and, mm. and shorts and a Unfortunately, it's, the dem it's just the demographics of the people you tend to ride, that tend to see on them. Mm. We, we had this debate, we actually did a mm. video recently with the brand new 1250 GS, albeit mm -hmm. Adventure, and my older 1200 GS, and we were sort of talking about these bits and bobs. And um, it just comes down to the demographic of people that buy them. Mm. Yeah. But it's not just people who don't ride bikes, you were saying. This, yeah. is, this is, goes through, through the whole motorcycle industry. Yeah. The GS is seen as the granddad... Yeah, uh, polite vest wearing, kind of. I think that's just that's, that's just how. But that's the BMW. I, I still think you can you can look at because what's that? It's what they wear, isn't it? I mean, you look at even non bike people would still know that most GS people let's call them people uh, have those <laughs> full on pajama suits and just look like proper. What, what was his name? Uh, Gavin? No, Kevin. Nigel. 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 That's it. Nigel and a. Jeff. Oh yeah, what well, the like, GS owners, yeah. Hello, yeah, I mean a Jeff, it's not an RT though, but no. Right. <laughs> but but yeah, I mean it's it's a shame really because 
that, again, that that the GS you're going to love it. By the way, yeah, I'm it sure is I will. Yeah, awesome. It's yeah. a it's an amazing, accomplished, fantastic, characterful bike with loads of tech on it. And it's mm. brilliant. Um, but yeah, it, it's just down to it, it's nobody can compete with Ducati when it comes to sex appeal because it has that historic reputation of being the Ferrari of motorcycles. That's what mm. you said earlier. Yeah, and uh, it still sticks. So if you if again nobody knows anything about motorbikes. Say Ducati. Someone goes, "Oh, you got a Ducati? Yeah. I know mm. what that is." Mm. Yeah, that's the sexy fast yeah. one. And yeah, it's going to take a long time before that mantra, that that like thought process, disappears from mainstream brains. Yeah, as will Harley Davidson from uh, you know other for people who don't ride bikes. They go, yeah. Harley Davidson. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it, Harley? Because I think they're having a bit of a hard time with yeah. regards to their their main core demographic is now at an age where they can't really ride dying. bikes yeah. anymore. Yeah. And they haven't and their sales really are done anything bad. to try and get the new generation in. So they have got the, is it called the, the Sportster or not Sportster? They've got the Livewire, haven't they? Which is, that's probably the most interesting. Is it the uh, yeah, yeah, the, the new one. adventure With thing. the weird headlight. But their yeah. designer, I mean, they just need to, I don't know, I think they need a bit of a fresh design approach. Mm. And I don't that's think, definitely fresh for Yeah, them. but I, I don't think it's the right fresh. No. Mm. It will be interesting to see what happens to Harley as a brand in the next 10, yeah. 15 years. Well, look, they've got, they had at least the money to, uh, to sort it out. So they've got all the tools they need. They just need to hire the right people, I think. But they've gone under so many different ownerships and it's just a very, I don't know, I just, I'm not convinced it's going to end well. It's a well. bit of a Disneyland, isn't yes. it? Yes. You know, yeah. it's, this, it's got this name, but it doesn't really, yeah. yeah. But then, hey, I haven't ridden many Harleys. If, if what, I've ridden one. You know, so I don't, I can't really comment on on the riding of them, but yeah, they certainly have a perception. So let's. Uh, so we're now at the point where the world is starting to look like we are turning back in a in a in a way that we all remember and we all we all look back on so fondly. Uh, what can we, the viewers, expect from Forty Four Teeth moving forward? What's the most exciting thing? I know we've mentioned the the new budget bike battle and the, the most perilous, most difficult bike to insure in the world, which I'm very looking forward, very much looking forward to finding out what it is. Um, what else have we got on the horizon? Are there any launches, new bikes, any, any corners of the world you're hoping to explore? I mean, I think the first thing is we are just desperate to jump on a bike, probably one will be the Multistrada, and, yeah. then, and then the 1290 uh, Adventure KTM, and just do a head-to-head, -head, mm. go on an adventure, test the water, go to Spain, Mm. See some sunshine, drink some beer, mm. dos cerveza, por favor, and yeah. try to get back into it. And you know, we've all, all of us, even you guys listening, have you know, we've all had pretty shitty time. Yeah. And you know, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think we should feel bad about wanting to go and have a good time. I think we should be allowed to go and have a good time. I don't know why everyone's like, oh, we can have a good time. Mm. But you know, we everyone's been through a lot, and I think yes, we need to go and have a good time and fall back in love with what we did because I've almost forgotten it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously you've you've been busy with your day job, really, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Thank that, God. Yeah. yeah. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Um, but which is obviously that's helped everyone really. But yeah, I mean, there's 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 lots coming up. Um, there's lot there's there's still a few launches being announced. So hopefully, in April we'll be going away again. Um, I mean, oh, I, I think I think I'm allowed to say it. But I think I'm going to be doing the Dakar Rally in 2022. That's exciting. Yeah. In Saudi? Yes. Fantastic. So... Don't um, steal anything. No. Don't do anything. <laughs> don't get caught with a blim of 
something in your pocket. Don't kiss any boys. No. <laughs> big hello to our Saudi Arabian <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Big up the Saudi massive. <laughs> that would be amazing. Dakar. Because you've done a bit of sand riding, haven't you? Was it, what was the, was it a Morocco adventure? Where uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was Morocco. a fantastic trip. Um, and I went to Peru with KTM for the Super Adventure R launch. Yeah. Which was, that was, talking of good launches, that was right up there. In terms mm. of, it wasn't anything Gucci, but, you know, the hotel was a bit guff, but riding experiences and, and that sort of bucket list uh, you know, going to places that you know, the remote places where fishing villages in the middle of nowhere have no electricity and mm. kids come running out because they've never seen a motorbike before and yeah. that kind of crazy adventure that is that was good yeah yeah no yeah Peru um, but Dakar I mean just it's just one of those things and also I found out recently is no, no one has finished a TT and the Dakar ah. so there's three of us me and Boothie are doing it hopefully uh, and can I do it of course you can but I think you should. I yeah. honestly think you should. Yeah. Oh, it would be hilarious. Well, oh, f- you. No, it would be. <laughs> it would be. All right, not just laughing at me. I do no. seem to remember watching the, the... I can't remember what bikes... Was it KTM's you were on in Monaco? Yeah, the in Morocco. Morocco, yeah. And I, it, when he was purposely just going, come on, mate, just do that. Just it, come on. It did appear, from the viewer's point of view, you did, Chris, you did seem to back down a little bit when it came to some of the... the, the I don't like... But extended yeah, I mean, I've, it's, it's the regular followers un- know that I am not a fan of off-road. I've never liked it. Oh, I find until, it... Until Morocco. Yeah. But, but the Morocco trip was, again, more about the experience and the villages and the nomads and all that stuff. It was amazing. And most of the... Most of the terrain is piece of piss, isn't it? Mm. It's just sand dunes, you know, are very difficult to ride on, mm. especially if you listen to your friends, which this was the same one that, uh, and, and big up Jimmy Fetter, who Al was like, come on, come on, mate, you can make that. Come on, just full gas it. And he launched straight off, a, straight say, off a dune. You just smashed himself about? up and broke his collarbone. You're talking absolute guff now. And then he had to sit in a, uh, a taxi for 12 hours to the nearest town Yeah, to get hospitaled. But anyway, the, the point anyway, is, the yeah. point is uh, there's, no one has finished a TT and a Dakar. So myself and Boothie and James Hillier, um, I'm sure everyone knows or yeah. should know, is a TT legend. So there's, there's, there's three of us that could potentially make, uh, make history. In, Motorcycle uh, in history. Yes. Mm. That is really exciting. So that's, is it this year? This year's Dakar? 22. 2022? Yes. So Amazing. Yeah. That is really exciting. I do actually know some of the organising committee for Dakar Do as well. Yeah. So shortcuts? There may be some shortcuts and there may also be <laughs> the chance that I might be there as well, but okay. certainly not from a Or maybe a I can't, but view. just I'd be in one of the support vehicles. Well, we can go out together, Chris, and okay. just watch. Yeah. Good. But then we're not allowed to drink there, are we? No, it's completely dry. Yeah, okay, yeah. I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you drank alcohol? This is true. Can we delve a little bit, Al, into your racing history? Yeah. Um, Why not? <laughs> How um, talk me through the that 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 stage of your life was that a long time ago or? Well, I'm still racing now, but not full time. I mean, um, you know, the I started off racing motocross uh, mm-hmm. because my dad and well, mum and dad didn't want me to go road racing because okay. I was getting hurt. But um, I ended up smashing myself up quite a bit in motocross and dislocating my shoulder. Mm. And if you keep popping your shoulder out um, as a 14, 15 year old, yeah. it's not really good. So. I, I kind of came to sort of 16, 17, I stopped racing motocross and that's the kind of time I found alcohol and girls at college. <laughs> um, so then I had a little break, which was kind of enforced with a, uh, an operation on my shoulder. Mm. I went back to it when I was 18, 19. I thought, 
I, I was alright. I was kind of I was a I was a good kind of national level rider. I never got into never made the top twenty um, of a British motocross event uh, in the schoolboys. Mm. I was I was there or thereabouts, but again, it was I knew I never I was never going to make it. So. My sponsors at the time, uh, Branson's and Yeovil, we gave the motocross bike back to them and they gave me a Honda Hornet. And the Hor- I went to the Hornet Cup in 2004 and I won the championship my first year. So I kind of knew that I was better at road racing than I was motocross. Okay. And then from then, I went, I think every single rider... Just went downhill. <laughs> 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 Hadn't won a championship since then, actually. Really? 2020, yeah. But... Um, yeah, so every rider from the Hornet Cup, mm-hmm. who won the Hornet Cup, went on to race in British Superbikes. Oh, wow. And I'm still relatively young then, 23-ish. I was, I had this thing, I was like, I've got to make it to BSB. I've got to be, I've got to do it to sort of keep, keep up with everyone else. And eventually I did get there. Um, obviously it took six, seven years, but mm-hmm. did every class up to BSB before that. But yeah, eventually. And if someone said to me, any point through my life, you'd be racing a BSB and not look like, look like a complete tool, mm. look out of place. I, I would have ripped their hand off because it's hardly a dream to be racing in British Superbikes, but for someone like I don't myself, know. I think right. about, well, but now particularly, it's a pretty competitive series. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's it, yeah, it's not something you go. Oh, I raced in uh, British Superbikes and finished twentieth behind. Uh, but you know, it's, you know, it doesn't sound. You know, as someone who races and no, spend most of the time racing their race, most of the time in their life racing, just to say you race doesn't is not much of a big deal for me. Sure. No, but then but then the people who know how competitive it is, like we, yeah. you know, you got to understand that the guys lapping in British Superbikes are the very top yeah. of the top. Yeah, sure. In this country, so yeah. don't don't put yourself down, buddy. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and would you say a bit like uh, in the car racing world? If you've had some experience doing low grip stuff, dirt track, rally, that sort of stuff, and then you go onto tarmac, there's, all, there's often a, a great um, advantage to the drivers because they've got a bit more understanding of car control. Is it the same with bikes? Does it translate? I think there's definitely an element because you look at all the, I say all the, there's, there's a big percentage of uh, motocross riders and dirt track uh, and speedway, etc., who've gone on to, uh, well, have got bored of that and gone on to road racing and been highly successful. I mean, there's this. I think even but, Rossi now, his ranch is. You know, he spends ninety percent of his time training, is at his ranch and just going sideways. And that's mm-hmm. how him and his VR forty six academy. That's how they train. But I think, yeah, it definitely, it definitely helps. Mega. Chris, have you been tempted to uh, visit the, the motorsport the professional race? I only passed or? my motorcycle test in two thousand and eight, uh, and then. So, uh, as in terms of growing up around, like, I wasn't interested. Just mm. didn't just didn't appeal to me at all. I thought they were cool, and obviously on my BMX, I'd put the you know playing cards in the wheels and make it sound like a motorbike. Yeah. But it, apart from that, I, it doesn't. It didn't really you know turn me on that much. And then um, yeah, and then discovered it. Fortunately, when I hit about thirty, so I had a little bit of calm. In the on the roads because I think if I discovered it earlier and got on a thousand cc, I'd be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty loose. Yeah. So uh, that was quite thankful, and then um, yeah, then started getting track, and then since with forty four teeth, actually the the experience of riding with Al and other fast people and journos and stuff on track, like my progression of track riding has been pretty good. I would say it's I'm, crazy. I, I, I'm I've never I've, I would go as far as to say I've never seen anyone 
uh, especially in their you know, 40 years old. Well, I'm 42 now. 42. Yeah. Mm. Rossi's age. Yeah. Mm. But someone who has gone from kind of a fast group rider to being fast enough to race at a decent level. Amazing. Yeah. Not bad for an old man. So, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I've just got to, you know, I've got to lose the gut so I can actually lie down on the bike now on the straights. Well, I'm so and I, height and also size and size is a, is an issue, you yeah. know. Like because you're quite tall, aren't you? What I'm you six s- four. Yeah, and you know, bikes are not made for tall people. No. Oh, but even on the <laughs> just aero wise, aero wise, even on the straights, you know, I'm losing like on our, some of our tests, we've got like ten different yeah. kilometers an hour <laughs> yeah. of straight line speed that's just gone. There's because, an idea for a video: the two of you in a wind tunnel. See who generates. That's a good idea. That is a good idea. Yeah. The drag. Have you, you got that one for have you, free? Have you got a wind tunnel there? Because uh, I imagine they're pretty pricey. Can I get you access to? Do you know I might be able to get you access okay. to a wind tunnel? So watch this space. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to hold you to that. I might be able to. I might be able to sort yeah. that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I. But going back to the question, yeah, I'd like to race. I mean, there's a there's a bike over there, an RSVR Milli, which qualifies for the Golden Era Superbike, mm. which is, you know, a good fun. It's competitive, yes, but it's also fun. Like, I'm never going to be. A champion of anything sure. right? so dash that dream but i enjoy it massively so that's the key isn't it you know that's the key and that is a fantastic metaphor for life isn't it because a lot of yeah people... and i wish i would listen to that because i, I i'm pre- i'm super competitive in lots of things that i do and i do get disheartened if i'm not good at things mm. so um... it's a completely normal human being trait and i think a lot of people especially in this world this is this is going down a slightly more um deep and philosophical tangent than I thought it might. But, you know, a lot of people in the world at the moment are comparing themselves to strangers on the internet through oh, an Instagram account or yeah. Twitter. And everyone wants to be the best at everything they do. But finding that contentment in just saying, I'm actually having a really good time doing this. I might not be the best at cleaning windows or racing cars or grooming dogs, whatever your profession or, or area of interest is. Milking cattle. Milking cattle, absolutely. <laughs> but the, ultimately... If you're, if you're able to kind of take a step back and go, yeah, but do you know what? I'm actually really enjoying this. I'm having a good time. Then, then that's it. That's the dream. Yeah, and, and we mentioned this on the last news series about Rossi. You know, he is enjoying it. And mm. fair play to the guy. And it's like, yeah, he might not never, ever win a championship. It's unlikely he will. Mm. But if he's still enjoying it and the crowd still want him there, the sponsors still want him there, and he wants to be there, then why not? If he's yeah. still earning 20, 30 million a year. I mean, he doesn't need any money, does he? No. You know, no. he could actually, and I reckon his race salary is dwarfed by the merch salary. Oh, definitely. So definitely, he's probably earning a couple of million a it's, year. It's, a, it's yeah. irrelevant than yeah. what he gets paid, yeah. but yeah, um, but yeah. So I, yeah, I would. He could I would sponsor like us. To race. He could. I'd love yeah. him to he could teach me a thing or two. Forty-four teeth sponsored by Valentino Rossi mm. does sound good. Forty-six teeth, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger sprocket. Hey, <laughs> hey, that's quite good. <laughs> yeah. Any other business before we wrap things up? Pretty desperate for a wee. <laughs> uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're on a bit of a fitness kick at the moment. We were trying, trying to, get to. Lockdown, lockdown flabbergone. Um, again, I, I, I mean, I'm sure competitive car racing is, because a lot of, I'm sure a lot of your viewers are more car based than most I, I think racing. that's fair to say, yeah. Um, but the, the fit, to be fast on a motorcycle, the fitness level, the weight of the rider is so important. Mm. Like, you, compared to a car you know you probably got even ballasts I don't know you may, you may have even you know that sort of set up in, 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 in uh, four wheel racing but you know if you're a big lad on a bike yeah. you're gonna, you've got an instant disadvantage it's like go-karting isn't it 
your fat, yeah. your fat mate is always the slowest. Yeah, you, you're, you're not going to, you know, it's, you're going to really struggle with, you know, Danny Pedrosa. Mm. Yeah, I mean, they say, obviously, being fat has its uh, positives and upsides because you've got more traction, perhaps. But And fat people are generally jollier. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to say after okay. that. But the... The, uh, they say, roughly, we did a scientific test. In fact, it was the I test. I was there. You were the test, yeah. So with Fat Phil Crow, um, who was 25 stone at the time, myself, who was 15, and Fraser Rogers, who was a world super sport racer at the time, professional racer, he was like 10 stone. And we worked it out, and we did braking distances and acceleration tests with, with data logging. And it worked out that pretty much half a stone, sorry, a, a stone equated to about half a second around uh, wow. of acceleration around a track. And stopping as well, because yeah, you know, of course, yeah. So there's, there's I mean, and twenty five stone, like yeah. for, that that's heavier than the bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm. just a bit, yeah. Yeah, so you know, power to weight, you know, horsepower per ton, you, you're losing a massive percentage, and then physical air, you know, you'd, yeah. as a as a in a touring car, you don't have to worry about the shape of your body, do you? Going through the air because you're true. in a you're in a cockpit. So, uh, well, that's the long the, the longest answer to hoping to lose a bit of weight. I've ever had. Yeah, I don't think we even got to the point. But uh, yeah, so um, yeah, so again, that's for the upcoming season. Uh, we might be. Are we allowed to talk about the mini twin? Seat race, yes, race yeah, to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I believe. So this is actually going back to the racing question earlier. I have a seat in a uh, no limits mini twin cup this Amazing. year. Amazing. With the other boys, we can have a, have a little team there. So. Uh, I need to lose weight for that, is basically it. Okay. So it's fair to say there is some exciting things to come oh, on the channel. Oh, So yeah. anyone that is perhaps not yet aware of you as a channel is going to have a great time catching up on, I think, if, if you are listening and you haven't yet consumed any 44 Teeth media, start with Budget Bike Battle Ducati versus yeah, It is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Uh, and then, yeah, of course, stay tuned for more exciting things. Dakar is going to be incredible. Yeah. Hope to see you there. Yes, likewise. Um, if not beforehand, we'll, we'll see each other in a wind tunnel. See you in a bivouac. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Um, alternatively, if you, the listener, have access to a wind tunnel and save my bacon because I've now pledged this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It has to be a top spec one with the little gas stripes as well that, that you can map. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 No, we want the, we want the, um, the colour charts yeah, yeah, yeah. to show where the areas of resistance are. Yeah, if you could just drop me an email, podcast at drivenchat.com. And uh, let me know the dates, and I'll, I'll, I'll hook it all up. Yeah. We'll give you some stickers or something. Yeah, yeah, or a keyring. I've got a keyring for you actually. <gasps> the jizz machine one. Well, it was worth the drive. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, sir. Thank you for, for having, having us. us. See yeah. you sometime soon. Yeah, always welcome. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The 
very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.